Good morning. It is such a joy to be able to be with you this morning, and thank you to your pastor, Amber, for allowing me to join you in this weird time of COVID. It's all strange these days, but has anyone ever asked you maybe what your dream job is or what's up next for you in life? And sometimes when you get asked that question, you have absolutely no idea what's going to what's going on at all. I mean, 2020 has definitely taught us that alone. We have no idea what's even going to happen tomorrow. So why are you asking us about what's going to happen in the future? It's really annoying when we have no idea or dream or plan for what's to come. Now, my senior year of college at Indiana Wesleyan, I was walking into our coffee shop, and it's a pretty open space. Amber will know what I'm talking about. You can pretty much see anyone that's in there at any point in the coffee shop. And I was walking in, minding my own business, and I saw this old friend that I had not seen in years. And I was just tired. I was over it. School, you know, it's the middle of the semester. You're, you don't want to talk to anyone. And so instead of being a normal human being and going up and saying, hi, how's it going, and catching up with them, I decided to turn around and run the opposite direction. Because I would rather run away and answer her question of what was going to happen next in this season of life. It's really annoying when we don't know what we're doing. If you knew your life would count for eternal reasons, reasons that would last forever, would you do it? Would you give it everything you've got? What if I told you that you can what if I told you that we do have a dream? We do have a vision. Amen. Today, I'm here to tell you that what this vision is that the Lord has for us, and we can see this in Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, where God has given the Apostle John a vision for what is to come. And you can be a part of God's vision as you pray and chase his direction in your life, both now and in what's to come. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, or the scripture will be available to you on the screens to follow along. After this, I looked. And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? 
And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the vision that God has given us. This is what is to come for all of us. This is what God desires for us to be a part of. And we have to choose to be a part of it, both today and every day that's to come. Now, I'm someone who thinks that context is a really key thing, especially when reading the book of Revelation, because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in there. So the book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John. And it is an account of a vision that God gave him concerning what was going to happen in the end times and the coming judgment of humanity. Right before the passage that we read in chapter 7, we see that there was a gathering of 144,000 names that were sealed from the 12 tribes of Israel. But here in verse 9, what happens is this vision expands. It opens up to where eternity with God is no longer just for Israel. It's for all people because of the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross and in the resurrection. This fulfilled God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 15 that he would have descendants too numerous to count from every nation. John's vision accomplishes a transformation. A lion is transformed into a lamb, and 144,000 Jews are transformed into an innumerable multitude from every nation on earth. This is God's vision. And now, it's certainly no small vision, because God's vision is a multiplying vision. What we see in this passage is that the multitude in heaven is all God's faithful followers throughout the generations. These are the redeemed people, those who have accepted Jesus Christ's sacrifice on their behalf and have experienced God's forgiveness in their life. And the multitude is not just made up of Israelites or Americans or English speakers. No. The crowd that John sees is one that is gathered from all nations. It says in verse 9, There before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Now, can we just take a second to imagine what that would be like? We just finished proclaiming praise 
and worship and glory to our God in one language. And the Spirit was powerfully moving. We already saw that. We can imagine that. Can you imagine being in a gathered of a crowd that no one can even count and proclaiming to the Lamb praise in every language that exists on this earth? Can you imagine what that day will be? It's going to be a great day when we can join together with all God's people around this gigantic globe, proclaiming and joyfully worshiping that our God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We even see this expansion to all people in Ephesians 2, where Paul is explaining the reconciliatory work of God by telling the church of Ephesus that salvation is not just for the Israelites. Salvation is for all who choose to believe and live a faithful life of obedience. Yes. What we see here is that God's vision has the gospel at the very heart of it. It shows us that God did not intend for salvation to be for one people group or nation. It shows us that God desires for all people to enter into his kingdom for eternity. It shows us that we have no right to decide who will receive the good news of God, that through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of your sin. It shows us that the gospel transcends all prejudices and biases that we hold and embraces all believers everywhere. Yes. It shows that we can be led by the Holy Spirit in everyday interactions, giving dignity to every human being as we are meant to as God's children made in his holy image. Yes. God's vision is for all people. Amen. And it's time that we start living our lives in such a way that enables all people to have the opportunity to hear and know the gospel. Yes. That Jesus saves, that Jesus forgives, that Jesus restores. Amen. God's vision is a multiplying vision. And it even goes further from this passage, we see that God's vision is a glorifying vision. What we see from this passage is that the multitude are wearing white robes. But these robes were not made white by the actions of the crowd. I mean, it's not like somebody pulled out a tide stick from their purse and just started going around trying to get all the things out before they entered uh, the throne. I mean, that would be impressive. But no, that's not what happened. <laughs> The robes were made white through the purifying work of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb washed them clean and rid them of all their stains and all their transgressions. Now, it may seem that being washed in blood would have the exact opposite effect as trying to make something clean. But the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, washed away all sin and unfaithfulness, when he assured victory over death and defeated the grave. Yes. In the kingdom of God, it was the death of the king that assured the victory. And this crowd is made up of the ones who have been redeemed and purified. Yeah. They are the ones who have been saved by their faith in Jesus Christ. And they now are living in the glorification of God for all of eternity. It is because of the salvation and redemption they received 
received that they were offering praise to God and to the Lamb. Imagine the great joy that comes from the vast crowd, the huge redeemed magnitude, the great international family of God offering praise to him, all crying out together in their own languages and tongues. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What a day that will be. And we can choose to participate in God's glorifying vision by choosing to turn away from our false worship, our selfishness, our pride, our sins, and our lives of disobedience, and to turn toward a life of faithfulness that points only to the cross of Jesus yes. Christ. Amen. We have to choose to believe that Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the name above all names today, yes. in order to be a part of the multitude of praise for eternity. Amen. God's vision is a glorifying and it continues that God's vision is a living vision. In verses 16 and 17, we see that God will take care of every need the redeemed people have. And this proclamation recalls Isaiah 49.10, which says, They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. You see, God had already promised that in the time of Israel's restoration, his people would no longer hunger or thirst, nor would heat from the sun beat down on them. Even further, God, who is the one with compassion for his people, would guide them and lead them beside springs of living water. And he promised to wipe away the tears of his people. God provides every need the crowd has. And he provides them with a fuller life for eternity. Yes. The biblical promise to Israel transformed into the hope of believers from all nations grafted into Israel's heritage of obedience to the one truth. We can choose to be a part of God's living vision by deciding to believe that he has the power to change every situation, every circumstance, every frustration, every tear, every fear, every pain, every mistake, every shame, every failure, every mess up, and every sin. Yes. It is only in the power of God that we can pursue an eternity where there is no pain, there is no death, there is no evil. There is no COVID. There is no injustice. There is no oppression. There is only life and life to the full. Amen. Yes. But you and I have to believe in the life-giving power of God. This is God's grand vision for humanity. And he calls all of us to be a part of it. Now, for me in particular, I got to my sophomore year of college. And as any 
that I'd stopped wanting in college was questioning what in the world was I doing with my life? Why was I in college? And I was studying at that time exercise science, which is a great field, and planned to become a physical therapist. And was sensing a call to ministry, and cross-cultural ministry in particular. But I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. That was my own plan, my own vision, my own dreams, and I was going to make my own way, and the Lord would just meet me there in it. Okay. Naturally, I became really discontent. I was not pursuing the life the Lord had for me, and I was not partaking in his grand vision for me. So I got to my sophomore year, and I was sensing even more than I ever had before that the Lord wanted me to move overseas and go live amongst those who have never had the opportunity to hear and know the gospel. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what that means. So I changed my major to global ministries. I decided that this was my point of stepping into obedience into the Lord's call on my life. And from that moment forward, I was going to choose a life of faithfulness rather than my own way. And now I can tell you that as I am preparing to leave to go to Eastern Europe, I go with the hope of this vision. I go with the knowledge that God is already working and moving in the lives of the people in Eastern Europe. God is already making a place for me there and for after when I'm there. God is already providing the grace that all people need to receive. But we have to choose to be obedient to that grace. Yes. I go with the hope that one day I can stand before the throne of God with my brothers and sisters in Eastern Europe proclaiming that our God is good, our God is faithful, he is wise, he is true, he is just in their own language, in their nation, in their tongue. I go with this vision as a hope for Eastern Europe. And it's time that we all choose to join in this vision. Now, for me in particular, it's moving to Eastern Europe. It's moving overseas. But he may be calling you to something else. There are people here, there are people near, there are people far, and there are people in the hard places of this world that need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. So maybe God is asking you to do something today. Maybe he is telling you to keep pursuing a life of faithfulness, to keep living in obedience to his call on your life. I don't know what he's asking you to do today. I don't know what he's asking you to do for the rest of your life. All I know is that he asks us to hear his voice and choose to live in obedience to his call. Yes. And maybe some of you are like me when I was in college, and you would just rather run the other direction. You just not deal with it. Go your own way. To that I say good luck. 
it's a fun time. Maybe some of you are afraid of what this could mean for your life. It's too uncertain. It's too unknown. I don't know. This is too hard. Why would I want to choose to do these things? Let me tell you, moving to another country is very uncertain. It's very hard. It's risky. I have no idea what is going to happen in my life. Maybe some of you have absolutely no idea what the Lord is asking you to do. You just know that he's asking you to be a part of his vision for all humanity to be able to approach the throne. And we're going to take some time here this morning to proclaim to God that we are going to choose to make this commitment today. It's, it's not just enough to say, oh yes, I will follow you here, Lord, in these four walls, and that's it. It's not enough to just leave it here and to not take it with you. We have to choose to say and proclaim and commit today that you are going to live in faithfulness. You are going to be obedient to his call on your life. You are going to partake in whatever he is asking you to do. And today, I think we need to make this proclamation known. We need to commit to going and ministering in our classrooms. We need to commit to going and ministering amongst hospital beds. We need to commit in praying for our community on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. We need to choose to commit to do whatever God is asking us to do so that one day this vision can come to fruition. If that's you today, if you're like, I'm in, I choose to be obedient. Lord, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I would just ask that you would stand. That you would choose right now to proclaim and commit that you are going to live a life of faithfulness. If that's you, go ahead and stand. And we'll end in prayer. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. This is God's vision. come before you today knowing that we are nothing without you. We proclaim all the goodness that you continually give our lives. We acknowledge the ways in which you have redeemed and restored our own hearts and how you call us to continue to live into your vision for all of humanity. We thank you, God, that you choose to use us, that you choose to walk alongside us, that you choose to be a part of this world and to redeem us both inside and outside. You are the God who came and met with us. You're the God who came down and became flesh so that we could choose to be with you for eternity. We thank you, Lord, for all the ways in which you're good and true and just and merciful. And we stand before you today acknowledging that it's not enough to just have, say that we believe in you. It's not enough to just be stagnant in our faith. 
We choose to say yes to you, Lord. We choose to be obedient to whatever you ask us to do in this life and to do it with a joyful hope for what's to come. May we go from this place today, Lord, transformed, drawing nearer to you in all that we are and all that we do. May you use this church and those gathered here to be a beacon of hope, of light, and of truth in their community. And may you continue to use places like Princeton, Indiana to transform the world through the gospel so that one day we can stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ from all generations, all nations, all tribes, and all tongues proclaiming your glory. You are good and true, Father, and we thank you. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Amen.